Good morning, Vernon. Good morning. Good morning, Devin. Big day today. Yeah, tell me why. Big man's big day. Big man's big day, man. So today is we want to send a, from the process is black and white, we want to send a happy birthday to Mr. Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, our big our big guy for the 76ers here celebrating his 27th birthday. So shout out to JoJo and happy birthday to you, big fella. And thank goodness his knee's okay after that. Ooh. Oh my God! I couldn't sleep all night. It was it was ter- it was terrifying. I was uh, at work celebrating randomly when I got the Woj bomb to my phone, and I was just like, "Oh my God! Thank you, thank you." Well, you don't have, you don't guys. ever want to see somebody who's having a MVP season go down with an injury. Like that's just never what you want to see. And then to have it be your guy, that's even worse. Yes, it was terrifying. So in transition, you know, process of black and white style. Uh, let's talk a little bit about a big man, right? So there was a moment, 1962, in Hershey that I think kind of, kind of like takes statistics. It really like fused statistics into the, the NBA, right? Like before then, I don't know how really excited people were about basketball statistics before this famous stat. So in 1962, Another Philadelphia 76er, Wilt Chamberlain, dropped 100 points in uh, Hershey. And it ties into the book because, you know, the statistician at that time uh, with the Sixers was Harvey Pollack, who in a moment of like great just improvising that like changed basketball and that moment made it larger than life was he took a piece of paper and he, I remember watching a documentary where he told the story he grabbed a piece of paper folded it and wrote 100 on it and gave Wilt Chamberlain his piece of paper to hold up and he took a picture and that was like the only image of the 100 point game for Wilt Chamberlain that we have in history it's one of the greatest photographs in basketball history and little did I I don't know if Harvey knew at the time but from that day it would change the NBA and statistics from that day on. Um, it was crazy. Well, you know, I think one of the interesting things about the the way that the, like, Harvey Pollock sort of legendary story goes through is that, like, it, it's kind of almost like a, a meme for basketball, right? Before mm-hmm. memes ever took off, before the idea really existed, it's, that, it's this idea that one guy could score 100 points it may it, it it's kind of like maybe like the four minute mile right where all of a sudden like somebody goes below four minutes and like it, it just it made everything possible in basketball in a in a unique way and I think that that's why I think it had a huge part of basketball growing and becoming the sport that it became you know and of course Wilt with his like freakish athleticism and then interestingly turns out right Harvey Pollock then plays this role in the hot hand and is involved in all this research, you know, years later when we're talking about, you know, Dawkins being on the, on the Sixers. So it's like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's a, yeah. it's a whole different era years later with Dr. J and, you know, now we're talking about research in the hot hand and whether or not randomness exists. It's, it's pretty interesting. Absolutely. And, it, and what it did is like listening to, you know, as we listen to the book, you know, one of the things that I took away from it was, how important that moment was because 
if you remember back in even in the book and in, in the book it seems like they picked up in like the 80s you know around the 80s where they picked up on the story of harvey pollock and even at that point he was one of the the sixers had one of the like only statisticians that was recording everything you know there were still teams in the league that didn't have statisticians recording everything like he was at practice you know he was at practice recording misses and makes at practice right like that's pretty big man he he really is known a lot of people in the nba uh know him as one of the legends of the game because he was one of the few guys i remember hearing when he passed away he was one of the few guys that was actually recording rebounds and that's the only reason why we know about the wilt chamberlain like you know uh 40 rebound games and stuff like that because the nba didn't start recording rebounds until like after Harvey Pollock started doing it for the Sixers. And then the stat became, you know, a real stat around like Wilt's like fifth, sixth year in the league. That's why you don't even realize there were years where Wilt averaged like 50 and 20 in his first couple of years, but they couldn't even put him in because they're unofficial stats, except Harvey Pollock has them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, I, I do remember that there's a story about how that hundred game was that hundred point game was recorded. And then, mm-hmm. so there was a there was a tape of it, and then somebody reused the tape to record the news. So instead oh, of yeah. having the hundred point game, I mean, I you know I don't know how much of that is legend and how much of it is true. But oh, instead yeah. of having the hundred this... point game, it's they recorded a news broadcast yeah. where, like the dudes talking about the weather. How about the stolen basketball story of that game? Like all of the legends of that game that came out. Remember the kid stole a basketball. Yeah. For the uh, for at the last the ball at the end of the game snuck in and stole the ball, like there's so many stories of that game. But there was a a pack. I think they said it was a pretty packed house of like two thousand fans or something, and down in Hershey watching that game. So there are people still living, like you know, super old, but they're uh, still living today that still tell that story. It's real interesting. Like so, in the book. You know, so I, I have no I So I know who Daniel Kahneman is, right? Like he's one of these. He wrote um, this book called Thinking Fast and Slow, which is like one of those things that I like I hold on. I hold on to that book a lot. Right. Like I think about that. I think about that book all the time. And I had no real like I didn't have any of this context with with the with him and. Amos Tversky and how like those two guys got together and like built this relationship where they wrote papers together and put all this, like, I didn't understand, I didn't know any of that backstory basically. So I got to like have this insight into this one portion of this story and then hear how him and Amos Tversky or whatever, you know, they, they put together all this sort of research and thinking around the hot hand and around how we think about randomness and how, you know, it, it's hard not to see streaks, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's hard not to see like, oh, so-and-so made two shots in a row. So maybe they got a hot hand, give them, give them the ball again. Is it a third shot? Like, it's hard for us not to see that. We're pattern matching animals, right? I mean, I, they did it with the, in the monkey example in the, in the book. You know, monkeys kept going back to where the trees had fruit yeah. because they're like, they're eventually, you know, as long as there's fruit there, like we're going to keep going back there because 
matching patterns is like this valuable skill to survive. Yeah. And then it, ma- it kind of makes you wonder, like, are we just seeing a pattern when we see a guy like get hot um, or we see a, you know, a concept get hot or any of that, or is it actually real? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Right. So like, as I'm listening to the book and you, and you hear about whether or not there's hot streets, I kind of took away from that conversation in the book where uh, I can't remember the, the guys exactly, but he was talking about how he's been through uh, a ton of debates, one of them all, about how there's no such thing as a hot streak, but has never convinced anyone. And, and, and I think like, I think the idea is that the hot streak conversation is really about results, right? It's, it's kind of like really about like having just guessing results or expecting certain results because of your, your process, right? Like it's kind of what we started out in the beginning talking about is that you cannot control the results. You can't even really predict the results, but the, what I took from it was, yeah, maybe, maybe the, the idea of having a hot streak and being able to predict the results and being able to say, because that guy made two shots, he's going to make the next, or because he made three shots, he's going to make the fourth. Maybe you can't do that. But there you can rewind and kind of look back at, like, let's take Steph Curry, for instance. I'm going to bet that Steph Curry is going to make his next shot because I know that Steph Curry has put in thousands of hours of work and focus and he's going through this extreme process not to mention he also has gifts that you know that he was given that others just weren't that make up make the results a little more you know you a little more able to guess or you know take more risks saying like i'm gonna put my money on that guy because i know what his process is and I've seen him do it. And I've been, you know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thought process that I went through listening to the book. Like, I'm like, yeah, I think both sides are right. I think, I think, yes, it's hard to predict the results of the next thing that someone's going to do. But it's kind of like the stock market. You know, you can kind of make a nice educated guess based off of the patterns of that particular stock and what it's gone through in the past. So, you know, it's one of those things where the, the process is black and white, man. You know, <laughs> the process is black and white. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the, I guess the biggest takeaway from me for the book is it's, it's, it's kind of like three things. It's, it's one mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, he could sit there and he could tell, he could show the math to basketball players and they wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, um, And that, so that sort of, that, like, I think there's an important lesson there, right? Which is, like, don't be the basketball player who doesn't believe the math, right? Like, on the one hand, you need to understand that there are situations where you need to believe the math. And if somebody says, like, actually, you're not hot. You're just being fooled by random events. Um, so understand that. Like believe that because it's you know there, you if you can prove it, all right, okay, you know you you proved it. Like you need to accept that. But there are those sort of from the previous chapter there there are those sort of intangibles that we also need to record that may be missing in the data, right? Like 
what's the player's gravity in that situation, right? So if everybody thinks you're hot because that's the way everybody thinks and you understand, hey, I'm not. Statistically, I'm just going to be the same as I always am. Well, that's a real great reason to pass, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so you can just because you understand statistically, well, I am hot and everybody thinks I'm hot and I feel hot. I'm pulling gravity right now. That means that a pass here is worth instead of it normally being worth one point, it's worth 1.1 points because, you know, that that player is more likely to be a little open. So they're more likely to make their shot a little better, you know, so like kind of understanding the. The meaning behind the science is, is, I think, really important. Yeah. Um, so that was like a big takeaway for me. And then sort of the other takeaway is that even these people who are smart enough, right, because all the students, all the college students and stuff that, that they had who like who had the, the scientific background, right, in that sense, they're smart enough, right? Um, not like the, the natural athleticism or the basketball IQ, but this like – I can actually read the science. They also didn't believe it. Right. Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. so, so then there's this other sort of like sort of takeaway that I, that I want to try to hold on to, which is when you're deep in something, you're, you, the way you perceive it is so strong that even evidence won't change your mind. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, that's not a great spot to be in you don't you don't want to be in that spot either so like taking those two things away is uh, i took like real um i took took real important lessons from and then i guess the final lesson that i that i took away from the book is both these guys danny kahneman and amos tversky were like were sort of two guys that were trying to do stuff but when they really took off is when they started working as a team right and they started writing these papers together and that's when all of a sudden they start getting like Nobel Prize nominations and all that other stuff. So it once again sort of speaks to the power of like, are you sharing your information? Are you working in a team? Are you doing those kinds of things that we know actually create hot hands, right? So that's yeah. what I took from the book this this week at least. Yeah, there's, you know, and there's a definite like science versus belief angle here as well. You know, like there's you look at Steph Curry, like he knows he's a great shooter, but I guarantee you any interview that he's ever done about that night in the Madison Square Garden in 2013, which ironically, that game was on NBA TV uh, right before the Sixers played the other night that uh, little matinee between the Sixers and um, uh, whoever they played the other day. Dang, killing me. And then the Wizards. Uh, Warriors played earlier that day but before that as I was leading up to watching those two games there was a matinee for the Madison Square Garden game uh in 2013 where Steph hits like I think he makes like 11 threes in that game right he's like 11 for 13 or something crazy and um watching that game if you know you talk to Steph about that game he he's going to say one thing to you he was in the zone and sometimes Bigger than the science is just there's a moment where even me as my like very like low, low level of playground basketball and like, you know, uh, uh, grade school, you know, organized sports and stuff like that. Sure. But there's this moment when you're playing and you just got confidence 
that is through the roof. And no science can explain it. No science. I don't. I don't know science by numbers. No, I've felt it a hundred percent. I've felt it a hundred percent. Like you, you take the shot and you're like, "Oh, I'm butter right now." Exactly. <laughs> <Just> right. <laughs> and it's just, it just feels different. And and I would say science by number, like math, can't explain it. Let's put it that way. But maybe there's some type of chemical, you know, that's coming out of the brain. Even just whatever chemical gives you confidence, it's just on sky high. And I tell you what, maybe if you really go, there's been some games where I thought I was in the zone. And uh, I don't know, you might have talked to the four other guys that was playing with me. and was probably like, man, this guy was a gun, man. And I might have left the gym like, yo, I was on fire today. And I might have shot like, you know, freaking six foot 22. But those six, those six was, you know, all from it three. And, yeah, they <laughs> felt good, you know. So it's, it is one of those, it's like to me, there's, this like weird gray area that well, is the reason why you can't get to like a conclusion or a common agreement is what you said earlier is there is this gray area of kind of both is right. Like, you know, it, it, both things are happening. There's room for both, right? There's, there's room mm-hmm. for understanding. Well, you know what? Like statistically, uh, I'm not hot. Like I, I, you need to understand statistically, you're not hot. That doesn't mean that everybody else on the court doesn't think you're hot. Yes, if, that's if a real thing too, dude. If everybody thinks you're hot, the the whole court plays different. And look, I was never a great basketball player by anyone's judgment, but I've been hot, and when I've been hot, I've drawn doubles, and I don't mm-hmm. deserve a double team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> other hey. than the fact that I'm tall and long. <laughs> yeah, and there's some, and sometimes you're on a court with certain people who I done played in games where I'm like, I don't care how many shots he makes. Leave them open. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like there's, there's, it's just, there's nuances that just can't be explained by numbers, right? Like there are just certain nuances that, that, you know, it's part of the reason why the Houston Rockets haven't won a championship. Like why Don Nelson, you know, who is like one of the, the greatest innovators of, of modern day basketball, got a lot of wins in a regular season, but never won a championship. Just because there are these unexplainable things that analytics is just can't tell the whole story. Shoot, look at us. We're rooting for a team that is like anti-analytics uh, <laughs> of modern-day basketball. We're, like our favorite team is just the anti-analytics. Yeah, they're being they're, put they're being built, built. They're built backwards for right now. Yeah, but being built by Mister Analytics, and he and he'll tell you any day of the week. Yeah, we we're all right. Like I love the way this looks, and he's Mister Analytics, right? Like he's the Godfather of analytics in the NBA. So it, there is just some, I guess, at the end of the day, the button of the book here in this chapter, sort of, is that sometimes talent is just that good that there's no analytics to explain it. And then sometimes there are guys like me and you who, you know, we're not NBA players, but we can get into the zone. You know, yeah. we can definitely get into the zone. Well, and I'm, you know, I think that that goes for, you know, it certainly goes for me. Like I'm out of the zone right now for, for work. Right. So mm-hmm. like, I get into these modes where I'm hyper productive and 
where like where I can just work and work and work and get result after result after result and really move the needle forward, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I get into these other modes where I sit down to work and like just good enough is good enough. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it takes me forever to solve like the little problems. So like, you know how we had that problem on the website for where the, there was this like flash of unstyled text, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I fixed like half of it and I'm not in the zone right now at all. And I fixed half the problem and I was like, all right, well that's good enough for now. And like, that's never good enough for now when I'm in the zone. Like when I'm in the, <laughs> when I'm working and I, and like everything's kind of flowing, I'll A, find the problem faster and B, I'll like, I won't accept a second best solution. I'll figure out the correct solution rather than a halfway solution. And it's just really interesting to see, like, to, to understand it from that perspective as well, right? So, like, not only are, when you're hot does it compound, but when you're cold, it kind of compounds too. So, mm -hmm. but, but here I am every morning, you know, I sit down, I start to try to work, but, you know, so I'm still doing the discipline part, but the results just aren't there right now. And I know that, you know, just keep doing that work. Just keep showing up, sitting down, doing the work, and eventually you'll get hot again and you can start moving again. You know, and that's, I mean, that's effectively my update for the week, right? It's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm trying, I'm working, but man, I am not getting anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you, man, for sure. Yeah, well, since we're doing updates, uh, you know, for me and for what we're doing outside of the pod, uh, 2400 the movement has we we've hit like this interesting spot you know so we had our meeting our weekly meeting yesterday and the one thing that we noticed is we haven't had a true sell um really not many at all last week um i think we had about like two cells or something like that last week and it's been about like maybe six days or so since we we had a sell and one of the conversations that we had in uh, the meeting was kind of like, well, trying to figure out, understand why. And I think the solution that we, we came down with is that, one, we haven't been truly active, as active as we were prior. Like, we were putting out different types of um, content as far as showing the recipes. Like, there was this flood of content. When we first dropped, there was a lot of content that came, and it was fresh and new. And it was constantly in a, a reminder to everyone that's kind of in our network that, hey, they're doing this thing. Come take a look. Go take a look. Like, even if we weren't getting sales prior to this month, we were at least getting a lot of traction to the website. You know, we went from getting like 100 visitors to the website every day to now getting, you know, 15. And, and a lot of it, which is still, you know, like that's still traction. What dropped to the wayside was that we did not have these other things that would draw people in. So I'll take my responsibility. My responsibility is I'm supposed to be consistent with making a blog, you know, and I haven't made a blog in two weeks. So that, you know, like that's content that would be out that we could push and energize and at least get more foot traffic to the website. You know what I mean? We haven't made the newsletter like we were supposed to in a couple of weeks. And that's, you know, foot traffic that could have came through. So one of the things like in, in true spirit of the book, as it usually is for us when we do our weekly week dates, um, is that 
sometimes that hot hand really is just the work that you're constantly putting in, staying disciplined and continuing to be in consi- continuing being consistent and adding to whatever it is that you're doing. You know what I mean? It, it, like for us, one thing we had a conversation, we ended up having a nice, like very healthy debate that really when you have three people involved, you you need to have. You know what I mean? And that was one of the conversations that we had with this is that we need these healthy debates. These healthy healthy debates bring the best out of all of us. And one of the debates was right now we're flipping to these bags, right? We're, we're flipping to three for, you know, these $6 bags to make the, the price more affordable for, for people so that it doesn't feel like a, a big commitment purchasing spices for $12. Yeah, um, it does, I mean, it, it feels like a lot from from my perspective so you know i don't have any kids right like i i'm pretty successful at work so if i'm saying like that's a lot you know you're probably limiting people so i love this move to bags i love it exactly so we're so we're doing some bags but you know part of us was like you know and and part of us meaning one one of the three or the three of us there was a feeling of uh the bottles we don't want to lose the bottles because of the presentation and the look of the bottles and so there was an idea of like, do we want to drop the bags and the bottles at the same time? Maybe we drop a bottle, you know, this week on the 24th and then we do like another drop somewhere maybe a week later. And I think the where we had the, you know, where the kind of thing came to a head was like, well, the 24th is what we're really trying to get people, you know, to be conditioned to know like every 24th you can expect something from us. And if we start fearless adding, fire. yes, fairly fire. There you go. If we start adding certain things, then it becomes where it's not as consistent. There's not as much push behind that next date because also on the 24th, we drop new content. We drop like we do this whirlwind approach where we do new content, new products. You know, we really flood social media pretty heavy. Like that's a big day for us. And being a new company, we had the conversation or, or the debate on whether or not we should be holding stuff back. Like, should we be sitting on things as a new company? And, and or do we just go in and test, you know, that high hand theory? Like, are, should we be, you know, a little bit cautious on making changes? And you know what I mean? Like kind of throwing the audience off a little bit or should we be consistent and adding, you know, new wrinkles to what we're doing and trying new things and trying to really figure out our attraction. You know what I mean? So that that was where the debate kind of came in. And uh, there were some good points. All in all, there were some good points, not wanting to confuse the customer and all of that type stuff. But ultimately, what we decided is this month will be an opportunity to see how value, viable those bottles are, because we're going to drop the new seasoning. And we're going to drop the bags at the same time. So this will be the first time that a customer get the opportunity to make a choice of $12 for uh, eight ounces, right, roughly. Or do they want to do, you know, $6 for two ounces? You know what I mean? So it's going to it's going to we're going to really find out what the customer wants to do here. You know what I mean? Or not eight ounces, I guess $12 for like six ounces or something yeah so 12 for six and and two for eight so we'll find out you know and that that will give us an opportunity to test the traction of how how necessary are these bottles they do look better 
but do the do the customer really care? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, you know, again, just like everything, you're going to find that balance and you need to, on the one hand, right, uh, trust the trust the data, right? Because <laughs> if mm. the data says like, hey, you know, the thing that matters is bottles or, hey, the thing that matters is, is bags and price, well, then you have to trust that data. Yes. But there's going to be that nuance that you need, that you guys are going to need to hash out as a team and understand like, all right, well, you know, is there still a place for the bottles because the bags are getting the gravity for our online sales, but the bottles get gravity for in-person sales and those kinds of Mm -hmm. things. So you're going to need to work that out as a team. And that's, I mean, that's why you want the team around you. So Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear where that, where that goes. That's going to be interesting, interesting stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it was exciting. And then, you know, as usual, we, you know, because we haven't done this before. It's kind of like us with the podcast. One of the things that I've taken from the podcast and brought to our meetings every week at 2400 The Movement is this is this is our business. You know, just like this is our, we constantly say to one another, what do we want to do? Well, it's our show. We'll do whatever we want to do. It's you know what show. I mean? It's our show. And that's the kind of, kind you know, that's the kind of like vibe I've been bringing to 2400 the movement is yo this this is our business we do what we want to do so if we want if we you know and in respect to the customer right like we don't want to just blindside everyone but if there's a change that needs to be made or a pivot that we need to make we do it and we just be transparent with the customer so that they understand the why and and really can kind of buy into exactly what it is that we're trying to do um but ultimately it's our business and we have to do what we believe is best. And uh, and and that's really it. Like, that's the process, right? Like, that's the black yeah. and white part of the process. It's like, we don't want to be constantly guessing based off of one person's opinion. We want to take what, what the three of us believes is the right test for traction and continue to do that over and over and over again. And yeah. uh, eventually it'll get us to where we need to be. For sure. All right. Well, yeah. how about until next week, huh? Yeah, until next week, man. We're uh yeah, not much going on here. We're you know, we're actually I'll drop a little little last nugget here. We're considering featuring the spices in a um and doing like a, a fundraising uh dinner sell. I guess like a um you know, pre order dinner sell is dinner platters is what we're considering doing. We haven't finalized it yet, but that's a consideration right now that's on the table. So Next week, we're going to be making all these different meals and testing them to see if we can pull off selling like 50 platters for for fundraising efforts um, sometime in April. So that's a little nugget. Right. Too bad we can't something. shit. Yeah. So uh, where can people find us? As usual, people should look for us at theprocessesblackandwhite.com. Uh, check us out there. We added a new link where you can uh, send a link to a friend from, you know, social media, any of your social media platforms. Um, if you can do that, post us up, you know, on, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. So check out the website, the process is black and white.com. And then you can find us on Twitter at process underscore is Instagram at the process underscore is, and then on the, on Facebook at the process is black and white. All right, man. Have a good week. Yeah, you too.